Welcome to Dentai's Chats, where we give you five minutes of health news because you care about health, but you just don't want to spend too much time learning about it. We're always in the middle of a trend, a fashion trend, a movie trend, a music trend, and while we'll attempt to write a tidy narrative as to why that trend is in fact a trend, the story often leaves something to be desired, especially when it comes to the origination of a trend. The same cannot be said for health lifestyle trends, which usually have a very real reason for their popularity at a certain moment in time. That reason is science. It can start with a single study that has a way of surprising us about the way that we live and forces the consideration of a change in behavior. That study then brings about other studies to test those findings, and if those studies turn up the same findings, that initial trend grows even more powerful. And this is what's happening at this moment as it relates to sitting down. Earlier this year, there was a powerful study that showed even exercise cannot reverse the negative health effects of sitting down for long periods of time. So you could be, quote unquote, active. You could be going to the gym, but if you go home and sit for four hours watching TV, you have increased your risk of any number of diseases just as much as someone who never went and exercised in the first place. Now, of course, there are other benefits to exercise, but as it pertained to the cardiovascular risks of sitting, they could not be reversed with exercise. And so now we've taken a deeper dive and we're finding more and more reason to stand up. So to avoid the increased likelihood of contracting one of 35 diseases linked to extended sitting, the recommendations are growing more and more radical. We are talking about a professor of ergonomics at Cornell University suggesting that you should only be sitting for 20 minutes of every 30 minutes that you're working. Or how about NASA, which certainly has a lot of research and incentive to find ways to keep bodies in their highest operating state. The suggestion is standing two minutes 16 times per workday. And again, this is not walking for 32 minutes straight. The important thing is breaking up your sitting time with standing time. I think for this trend to really get to the next level, or it's profoundly affecting the way we behave, we've got to start to view standing differently than we have in the past, right? Standing sucks. I want to sit down. I want to relax. But that's also true when you're not wanting to go to the gym, but yet you go to the gym because you're convinced that it does something good for you. It feels good. If you start to view standing while on the phone, standing while eating lunch, standing while hanging out with your coworkers, not as some inconvenience that you're forced into because there are no chairs available, but rather as a mini workout, a way to improve your long-term health, probably going to stand more. And given everything we're seeing in this trend, probably a good thing. As part of the marijuana legalization debate, we've often heard about the concern that if the drug is legalized, more people will drive while high, and that this will be terrible for everyone. Even those who are for the drug would probably admit, yeah, that's not a good thing to have people driving while high. And even if you would argue that drinking and driving is worse, probably put them both kind of in the same category. This I recently discovered 
is kind of a big mistake. There are certainly studies that show a negative correlation between being high and driving accident-free. The difference, though, between those studies and the ones evaluating alcohol are absolutely gigantic. In fact, recently there was a study that showed that a detectable amount of THC in the blood did not increase the risk of accidents at all. However, having a blood alcohol level of at least 0.05%, keep in mind that the legal limit is 0.08%, increased the odds of being in a crash by 575%. If you were to take two depressed people and give them both a placebo, and person A responded much better to it, person A would be a better candidate to receive a large benefit from an antidepressant. Or so said a paper published this week about antidepressants, which are the third most commonly prescribed drug in America. Dentized chats, check us out on iTunes. Reviews would always be appreciated.